But when I saw it, it really resonated with me. I was like, bloom where you were planted. That makes sense. Like I didn't choose to be planted in Sweden or anywhere else that I've lived. And it's really important for me to figure out what I need to do to shoot up and grow and, and be a, a, a blossoming person in this place. Especially in Sweden, I, I kind of realized that what I needed at that time in order to do it was really to find some friends. I, I didn't have it from the team, unfortunately. So I feel like it's always a dream that you have this great group of friends, but it's not always a reality. There's a lot of times where you either don't mesh with the other girls or you don't have a lot of other girls. Maybe they're all younger than you or older than you. Um, so I, I took it upon myself to figure out, okay, well, where am I going to make some friends? You're listening to Breaking the Ice Podcast, a podcast I created for wives and girlfriends of pro hockey players. My name's Devin Dodero. I'm the wife of Charlie Dodero. We have two dogs, a little boy Crosby, and a baby girl on the way. We spent eight months of the year living the hockey life in Europe, but we've also spent about five seasons in North America. I've been around the block, sometimes just for a cup of coffee, but I wanted to share the tools, resources, and what's helped me along the way, while also learning every week from each and every one of you. In this podcast, we share tips, tricks, do's and don'ts for all things women, all things hockey, friendships, trades, long distance, moves, and life in general, so you don't feel so alone. So put your headphones in, go for a walk, and feel like you're sitting down with your best girlfriends. Oh, and make sure to follow the page on Instagram, Breaking the Ice Pod. Let's lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Breaking the Ice. Today on the podcast, I have Emily Blum joining me. I am so excited for you to listen to this conversation. I feel like I've known Emily for a really long time. We've talked over social media, but she also coincidentally used to live in the same neighborhood as my sister, which is funny because I share how I figured out that it was her and how it was kind of a full circle moment. There were, several years ago, there was a show that was based out of Canada, I believe, called Hockey Wives, and Emily was one of the hockey wives that the show followed around. So we chat about her journey on the show and what that was like for her, how she was cast for that. We chat about one-year contracts and all the uncertainty that comes with it. My husband has pretty much always been on one-year contracts. Emily shares that her husband was... And I know a lot of other people can relate to that kind of end of the season feeling that also has been coming up a lot in the Sunday check-ins where people are sharing that they want to know what's happening next year. They want to know where they're going to be. And that's a very overwhelming feeling for a lot of people. So we get into that and how having that lack of control can be really tough. We chat about having your kids in school applying for your kids' school super far in advance, and how to make friends outside of hockey. Emily shares about how important that is to her and some ways that you can meet people outside of hockey um, to kind of establish your own identity in the place that you're living. We also chat about where they leave their items in the off-season, what they do with their off-season home, And we talk about the challenges of having a place in the off season that you really, really love. And then coming somewhere during the hockey season, that's often a pretty large downsize, especially if you have 
children and dogs, it can just kind of feel like everybody's always on top of each other. We chat about mid-season burnout. We also talk about mental health and how hockey can kind of amplify struggles that we already have. We also share a lot of laughs throughout the episode. This was a really, really fun conversation for me to have with Emily, and I know that you will really love it. Um, If you're listening today, do me a favor, share to your story, tag the podcast. This is how other people find the podcast. And I would also love it if you haven't already written a review on Apple Podcasts. If you could do that for me, this also really just helps the show. Um, Of course, five stars and a nice little review would be wonderful. But other than that, have an amazing rest of your day. I am so happy the podcast is back. It's honestly been just such a nice little break in my day for me to come downstairs and do something for me while talking about the fun stuff, the hard stuff, and everything in between with this lifestyle. So enjoy this episode. Thank you for coming on. I'm excited to talk to you. It's been a long time coming. I feel like we've been talking about doing this. So I am super pumped to finally have you here today on Breaking the Ice. I I constantly have been sending you messages like, I want to get on the podcast. And then life would happen and it would get crazy. Scheduling just wouldn't work out. So now finally, I'm, I'm really excited to talk. I know. I get it. And I feel like the hardest calls to schedule are people that both have kids. Like it's like you're trying to do all these different schedules. So I completely get it, but we're here and okay. I have a funny story to start off. So I was going to ask you first, when did John play in the Olympics? That was the 2018 Olympics. My sister, I've told you this before, but my sister used to live in Ladera ranch for like 20 years. And she was telling me a long time ago, like, I think it was probably five years ago yeah, there's this hockey player that lives in my neighborhood and like all the neighbors are getting together and they're celebrating him and like doing all this stuff. It's like a big deal. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And I just thought it was like such a full circle moment when like I figured out that it was you. Like I kind of thought maybe because I remember watching like Hockey Wives, like it was more bigger in like Canada, I feel like. But I remember watching like a few episodes and like, remember there was someone that lived in Ladera Ranch and I was like oh and it's just such a small like the hockey world is such a small world it's crazy because that's it's such a small town and for your sister to been living there it's yeah it's out of anywhere in the entire United States it's crazy how I know (laughs) and now we're now we're here talking you're in Germany I'm in France it's like what are the odds crazy so we'll start off talking about your little stint on hockey wise I want to hear about that like how did you get cast for that did you you hear about the show did they hear about you like how did that all go down yeah so I was actually on my honeymoon um just maybe like the last day of the honeymoon and I opened Twitter and I have this message from someone and they were like hello I'm a producer for this production company um we are putting together this documentary series about the wives of hockey stars and I was like are are you talking to me because like at that time John was very up and down Uh, he was going between the AHL and the NHL and in my mind like a hockey star you think of somebody that's making multi-million dollar contracts 
And so I kind of was taken aback by it. And I said, like, are you sure you understand like what my life is like? And if you actually want to show that, because it is different than someone that's in the same city the whole year. And they were like, yeah, of course. Um, the, the way that they had found me was I had a YouTube channel back in the day. I was in the army and I thought it was important to make videos about the female experience in the military. So I have like over 2 million views on my videos on YouTube. I don't make them anymore. I am mortified if anyone even tries to find me. On, well, on you're, girl, you're putting this on a podcast. Everyone's going to go look you up on YouTube <laughs> after this. It was like, what to pack for basic training, what it's like to be a female in the military, um, what to ask your recruiter when you are talking about enlisting in the military. So I had a following on Twitter that was like pre-popularity of Instagram. So Twitter was like the place to go. So that's how they reached out to me. Um, and I, I had such a good experience filming Hockey Wives. Um, I did seasons one and three. I took a break in season two. And in season one, they came with us when John was called up and when he got sent down, uh, when we had some really hard conversations about maybe making the move to Europe. And I think that is probably my biggest regret while filming is I didn't really think about some of the conversations we were going to have before we had them on camera. Oh. And I got maybe more emotional than I should have because I was like, didn't it didn't even register in my mind that someday we might be playing in Russia and so I was like no when he brought it up um and I got a lot of hate for that uh, people were kind of like I don't know kind of how dare you think that America is better than anywhere else but it was just all I knew I, it's the only place I had ever lived before and so thinking about moving especially while being filmed and thinking about moving was was hard but I think I got to redeem myself in season three. I brought the camera crew with us to Russia and they filmed us there. Um, they came to the hospital when I gave birth to my oldest son. And what? They were like, oh my gosh, I have to go back and watch this now. I don't think I wa I don't think I watched like this whole thing at all. I think I, you know, sprinkled a couple episodes here and there. Yeah. But that's amazing. Yeah, I became like best friends with one of the producers. We're still so close. So it was actually really awesome to have her in the room when I was giving birth to my son. Uh, but I, did, I didn't want that part on film. It was yeah. just kind of more nap. Yeah, they were there. John had to go back to Russia a week after Jackson was born. So they were there like getting the real raw emotions of what it was like to be alone with a one week old while John's in Russia. Um, and it's really just, it's so nice to have that documentation, uh, something that they gave me all the hard copies of all the footage that they filmed. And I think it's kind of like, I don't know, it's a really good experience, but it's also, it's weird to think that like my life was on camera and that someone thought I was important enough to be filmed and, and picked me, uh, but I never like auditioned or anything like that. That is amazing. That's that's really cool to be able to like go back and watch that experience. Do you feel yeah. like because I know you like to dabble in like some reality TV, right? Like, do you feel like they portrayed people accurately or do you feel like any of it was like a little bit produced here and there? Here and there, um, they, they really did a good job of not trying to manufacture friendships between the women, like on other reality shows, like Housewives, where you know, they're all together all the time. We were all really in different cities and it was kind of following our individual stories. Yeah. And I 
that a lot. Um, I wish this show was still going on because I'd love to see some other hockey wives represented. And I don't know. Do you feel like it was as big in the U.S. as it was in Canada? Like, I feel like I, I heard that, of it. That. Yeah. I love that because nobody in the U.S., like, you know, I don't know. I just didn't, I wasn't embarrassed about it in the U.S. because nobody knew about it. But then when I went to Canada a few times, I was like recognized. I was like, what? Yeah. This is crazy. And John has actually... So the show was dubbed over and was aired in Finland and a few other European countries. So there was someone that spoke every word that I said in those languages. And John was actually chirped on the ice by a guy that was like, oh, like, are, why don't you go film more Hockey Wives? And John was like, well, why are you watching the show? <laughs> for me, you're the one that's watching it. That's so funny. Actually, I have a kind of funny story about my husband getting chirped. Like he told me that a few weeks ago, someone on the ice was like, did your wife have her baby yet? And he was like, how do you know that? I'm like, your wife probably listens to the podcast, but he's like, why am I getting chirped? Like on my job at a game, like about the situation. It's funny that we get pulled into it. I know it's so true. Well, that's amazing. I think that's really, really cool. And did John feel like let's do it for sure. Was he kind of like hesitant? He was actually really open to it. Um, he, we have nothing to hide. I think we both want, wanted to really share the story of what it's like for a player that is up and down because it's so important to show that not everybody is living in these like luxury homes and has this stability. Um, yeah, I think it was, I think we both were very happy with how it turned out. Okay, so I know that we wanted to talk about short-term contracts. I mean, I've been following you on Instagram for a long time. So it's like you were in Russia, then you were in Sweden for a couple of years. Now you guys are in Germany. And I can totally relate to like the one-year contracts because I think we've been in the same boat every year. It's like that end of the season feeling that starts to creep in of like, what are we doing next year? Like, how do we like navigate this? Where do we leave our stuff? What are, you know, there's so many unknown questions. And for a lot of us girls, in this lifestyle, in our relationship, like we're like the type A, we're the organizers, we're, we we want to have that control. And so it can feel really hard when we don't have that. And I think it kind of adds another additional element when your home country is like so far away, like we're North American living in Europe. So there's a whole nother spot of like, what yeah. do we do? I need to have, Where are we going to be? Yeah. What, what language do I need to learn next? Um, yeah. It's so hard for sure. Yeah. Like every December, I start the panic feeling in my mind, in my heart, and I start texting John's agent. I'm so bad with that. I go directly to the source and I'm like, all right, when, when are we gonna start pushing John? Like, what, he's, he's playing so well this season, like, or maybe he's not, but let, let's like, let's start working on it now. I would like remind him, maybe it's me again. Um, and it's bad because we haven't had a multi-year contract in at least five years. It's been a long time. And most of our contracts, even before that, were one-year contracts. We just had like a one, two-year contract when we were in Russia. And it's so hard. And especially when you add kids into the mix, it's it just adds such a dimension of just fear, like, where are we going to be? What language are my kids going to have to learn and I'm going to have to learn? What school are they going to go to? Um, it's a, it's, it's a lot. It's really hard. And, and also just feeling like a commodity. They don't care about, you know, the GM. It's not his job to care about the family. 
Um, and yeah, it's just something that I don't think I will ever truly get a grasp on is how to balance not having any control over your life and also having control over your life. Yes. Yeah, yeah it, it's so hard for me. That's something that, yeah, I don't think I'll ever get over. Um, but I also need to get better at taking it out on my husband because sometimes <laughs> I'm like, every time his phone rings, I'm like, following him around is that your agent did you hear anything yet I mean I think your feelings are completely valid I think a lot of people feel that and I've gotten a lot of messages or like the Sunday check-ins where people are like I'm waiting you know to hear what's going to happen next year I want to know what's happening next year and it's like that that feeling of being out of control is really hard because you feel like your life is just like floating in space and you just don't even know which direction to go to and like you said with kids too it's like a lot of people over here, you have to sign your kids up for school so far in advance. And if you don't do it, then they're not in school. So when your kids are older, it's like stressful because you have to like lock that down really far in advance. So sometimes when you get those contracts really last minute, it can throw you for a loop and sometimes kind of like screw you over, honestly, with your, your situation. I don't know if you've had any experience with that, with like the last minute contracts. We sure have. Luckily, we haven't had to deal with like school yet in that element. But I know like some of my close friends have for sure. I think in Germany too, the schools are, and we're going to talk about yeah, the crazy. schools. But yeah. like I've had, like, especially in like um, the DEL and like the smaller towns, I've heard that it's really hard to get into the, into the school programs if you're not applied six months in advance for the next season. Yeah, when John signed in Munich, for the first time um, last season. The second he signed the contract, I'm saying like literally the second the email went in and we had the contract signed, I was applying to kindergartens because I just knew from my experience in Sweden that it's really hard to get a spot in a school, especially one that is bilingual. And that was really important because Jackson was already getting a little bit older, he was five at the time, um, and, and I needed to have a spot in a bilingual school. I had reached out to some friends that had been on the team before and I just asked like, hey, what schools have your kids gone to? And they were all like, oh yeah, we went to this private school that's 1,200 euros a month per kid. And I'm like, I can't do that. That's that's like a huge chunk of John's contract going yeah. towards kindergarten. Um, so I found, a, I made a list of every public bilingual kindergarten and within hours of John signing the contract had applied to every single one. I sent this like the sheet with photos of the family and like this plea, like, can you please accept this at your school? And we ended up getting into this bilingual parent initiative kindergarten. And it turned out to be absolutely incredible. I've made some of my best friends here in Munich from the school. Um, so it really, it, it really worked out well, but it's something that I had to take up upon myself and not just like, A, trust that the team was going to help me arrange something or just go with what somebody recommended. I had to kind of do that research myself. And I think that's always the process when John signs in a new city is I have to just like get on Google Maps and just and try to wrap my brain around this new city and where things are located, what types of schools, what types of restaurants. It's like, yeah, one of my number one things is just figuring it out before getting to the city. 
Yeah. I was going to say, I, I actually really admire that about you. Cause I feel like you share a lot of that on social media, um, is just really implementing yourself into where you're living. Like, I think that's really cool. And I feel like you're like a go-getter. Like you always figure things out. And like, like you said, you just take initiative and you have to like advocate for yourself and step into that role. It's not easy to do. Like, it looks like it comes really naturally for you. Like even like taking the the language courses and stuff like that. Like, I just, I admire that. I think it's really awesome that you do that. Thank you. Um, we were living in Sweden. It was our first year in Sweden. And I was just feeling... I was just feeling isolated. We really didn't have many, I, don't, I think we're the only imports on the team. Um, I was just feeling really isolated. I had no friends there really. And I was scrolling on Pinterest and I saw this quote, bloom where you are planted. And in Germany or all of Europe, my husband's, our last name is pronounced bloom. In the US, they say bloom. Um, but when I saw it, it really resonated with me. I was like, bloom where you were planted. That makes sense. Like I didn't choose to be planted in Sweden or anywhere else that I've lived. And it's really important for me to figure out what I need to do to shoot up and grow and, and be a, a, a blossoming person in this place. Um, yeah. So especially in Sweden, I, I kind of realized that what I needed at that time in order to do was really to find some friends. I, I didn't have it from the team, unfortunately. So I feel like it's always a dream that you have this great group of friends, but it's not always a reality. There's a lot of times where you either don't mesh with the other girls or you don't have a lot of other girls. Maybe they're all younger than you or older than you. Um, so I, I took it upon myself to figure out, okay, well, where am I going to make some friends? Um, the team that we were on also had a women's affiliate. So I went on the website for the women's team and I was like, oh, there's a Canadian girl on the team. <laughs> so I reached out to her on Instagram. I was like, hey, I, I know this is really weird, but do you want to meet for coffee? Um, so we ended up being really good friends. Um, we still talk all the time. And then in Sweden, I also, um, the coach of the kids like the youth team, she was super nice. She started inviting me to hang out with her. Um, and I, I started just finding this network outside of Poppy. And I feel like that really helped me the most to bloom and feel settled, even though I knew we were only going to be in the city for two years at most. Um, I had this feeling before, like, oh, well, what's the point of trying to make friends if we're only going to be in the city for one year? But it really does. For mental health, it really makes a difference having friends, having something to do, having someone that's going to get you out of the house, get you out of your rut. Um, yeah, and I'm so grateful for those people that really, they didn't have to, especially the Swedes that I, I met outside of hockey, um, like the, the coach of the kids hockey team, they didn't have to be friends with me. Um, and I'm really thankful that they, they did because that helped me. Then when I came to Germany, I kind of already knew where to look to find friends outside of that. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think you're so right. It does make such a difference on your mental health. And it, I think it was like when the weather started getting nicer here, like the girls started getting together so much more. And I feel like everyone's been hanging out like a few times a week. But that month of January was so slow. The weather was so awful like it just seemed like it lingered I mean it is like the longest month of the year like there's five weeks in January 
it's the worst. So like no one was getting together. And like, for me too, I was postpartum. So I was kind of like in just like the thick of it, but I was like, I just feel like so down. Like, I feel like I, I'm not hanging out with anyone, but then once everyone started hanging out, it was like the biggest mood booster. Like I feel so much happier. Like everybody's getting outside and like even talking to the other girls on our team, it was like, they were saying it was the slowest month. So it's like, we're all in our own apartments. Just like, this is the slowest month. Like I'm so lonely. Like my mental health is like not great. And it's so important to remember that like you are not alone and like other people are probably feeling the exact same way. And I think sometimes it's just like making it a point to like reach out to yourself, even though it can feel like maybe if you're more introverted and it's like not super comfortable for you to like reach out in that kind of way, but like hanging out with people. And then if, like you said, if there's not a lot of imports, which we played in Sweden too, for a short period. And like, that was tough. And that was when I was a lot younger. So I think I didn't really know exactly where to look, but there was like no imports. And I felt like really just out of sorts, I guess. And it was hard and feel like you being in Germany in a place where there are so many imports too, like you just seem like you're thriving. And I remember we talked in, in, when you did play in Sweden and that was something that was like hard for you is that there was like no other North Americans. And yeah. even here in Germany, like we have so many imports. I, I mean, it's, it's insane. We're one giant family and it's amazing. The kids all run around together, but I still value and cherish my friendships with, with other women that are outside of hockey because sometimes I feel like we all get a little jaded in the hockey season and you know we're all grumpy about the teams on a losing streak or whatever so it is really nice to find seek friends outside of hockey that sometimes when you you know or I'm in this period where I'm comparing every, myself to everyone like well, why is everybody else on a two-year contract and John's on a one-year contract and it's something that like it's just a personal problem that I'm having and it's just sometimes nice to like not think about hockey at all and have friends oh, yeah. that nothing about hockey. Like, I don't even want to talk about it like don't bring it up don't ask me any questions like let's talk about something else <laughs> about something else for sure it, it really makes a difference and I really have also enjoyed sharing my hockey friends with my friends outside of hockey my mom friends from the kindergarten and like seeing new friendships mixed together and and, and yeah I I just think it's so important to have a network and and a support system wherever you are and it's really hard to put yourself out there to make new friends but it it really makes a difference it's so valuable in your life and, and you may keep up with your these new friends that you're making for your entire life you may not but it's still worth it yeah I completely agree so going back to the one-year contracts what this is also something people ask a lot and I wanted to ask you because I know that you are good at figuring these kind of things out but with living in two different countries what do you do with your stuff and what do you do with your house during the hockey season okay so when we lived in Russia we really didn't keep a lot of stuff we just brought home what we wanted to bring home and we just left everything else uh in Sweden we packed up all of our things into boxes. We didn't know if we were going to be back. We were 90% sure we weren't, but it was such a surprise that we weren't going to be back on another team in Sweden. I was like convinced another team in Sweden would be our ending spot, but we nobody wanted to do it. So we ended up in the German league, which has been a blessing. Um, but I packed up everything into boxes and we left it um, in a friend's garage. 
but there's also always storage unit places as well that you could use. And then once we found out where we were signing and we were settled into the apartment, I used a service called sendmybag.com and I shipped everything. It was actually really cheap. I think it was only a couple hundred euros and all my boxes got sent from Sweden to uh, Germany. Okay. And for the U.S., we have a house in California. Um, we rented out fully furnished while we're gone. We had the same tenants last season and most of this season. It was a producer for the movie Sonic the Hedgehog. He didn't want to live in L.A. anymore. So he, they moved into our house and they just moved out during the summer and then moved back in when we left this year. It was like the best, the best setup we could have ever had. But yeah. now they just left to film Pink Panther in the UK. So they moved out. And now, right now, we're renting our house out to um, and through an insurance company. So there, our town is notorious for people that have leaks, like pipe leaks. There's like a big lawsuit. So somebody always has a leak and needs to like move out while the kitchen is renovated or whatever. You should so, just advertise that on like your listing. Like if you have a leak, yeah. like we have a place for you. <laughs> we'll work with insurance companies. So yeah. we're getting paid to an insurance company um, for our tenants right now. And then we have one more set of tenants coming before we move back. And it's a lot. My parents are the ones that go every week and like mow the lawn and take, make sure the house looks good. Uh, we keep our, our car in the garage. So the tenants don't have access to our garage, but we leave like, you know, everything in the kitchen, just like you would expect in an apartment in, in during the hockey season, we leave everything um, except for our private things. In yeah. the house. It's yeah. just a lot for me to, like right now, I've been going back and forth with the insurance company on um, some parts of the lease. It's a lot for me to navigate being so far away. And like, if there has been times where something has happened at the house and I'm like scrambling to call my dad, Hey, can you go to the house and see what's going on? But it's so worth it. I, I just think it's so much better than having the house completely empty, even yeah. though it is a headache for me to figure that all out. Um, I just kind of, you say it's my job, you know, yeah. it's my little income renting yeah. out for sure. And also like what people don't realize is you can like rent your house for more than what your mortgage is. So it's actually like passive income. It is, yeah. And, and like, that's like part of our income in the summertime is like Absolutely. listing because we have a couple investment properties and just like get, having that coming in is nice when you're not making money in the summer, yeah. because obviously that's a little bit stressful. Yeah. How is it for you? having a house, having the space that you love and you're just so comfortable in and then moving to a small apartment with two dogs, two kids. It's yeah. how, like, how do you handle that? Cause I know it can feel for me just very comparative. I'm always yeah. comparing, you know, oh, I want to, you know, it's like, it's hard not to get in that kind of funk about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Our lives couldn't be any more different. In the summertime, we have this big house in the suburbs with a pool and all the space. And during the season, we're in a city where we're relying on public transportation. And our like we're all on top of each other. It's a teeny tiny apartment with you know very small outside space. My kids love to play hockey, and I just feel like it echoes when I'm trying to do anything. All I hear is these kids 
swiping hockey sticks on the ground. I'm like, come on, the neighbors are going to complain. It's really hard. And the only thing I can remind myself is like, it's short term. It's a really good life experience for the kids. They are not going to, you know, they're actually might have more fun memories of us all being so close together than being so spread out where I could just walk away from the drama or whatever I have. I'm immersed in it here. It's hard. There, there's no way around it. It's, it's really hard being in a small space, but. How do you, how do you take the time for yourself being in that small space? Because I forget to do that. And then it just hits me like a ton of bricks, but I feel like you have to do that when you have to confine space with so many people. Cause it's always someone needing something from you. And like, you have to take the time to like fill your own cup too. Early bedtime. That's a really big one. When I when I I'm like at my max for sound, I'm just like, okay, pajamas on, lights over, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. sending kids to school really makes a difference as well. I think it helps them with socialization. It gets them out of the house so they have space to run around and play. Um and it's just a really good experience for the kids, making new friends and, and being in a school, even though it's not mandatory, especially for my younger son, who started when he was two years old um, here. I think it's it's been good. I, I really recommend finding a school um, if, if your child is able to go because it, it really helps getting that personal, like, a long time for myself. How is your, your older son being older adjusted to this lifestyle he actually it's really cool to see his memories he has taken so much of his prior life in Sweden and he was three and four years old at the time and he is it's crazy how much he remembers he keeps up with friends from there so he our neighbor uh from Sweden he's I think he's like 13 years old now him and Jackson Jackson just turned six they will have full conversations on um, their Jackson is an iPad and he has iMessage. And he will like just message back and forth like multiple times a week they FaceTime. <laughs> it's really cool to see that he keeps up with his friendships um, from, from there. And even with people back home um, in California, he keeps up with family. Um, and I think it's really important for the kids just to like keep up with their friendships from around the world. It, it helps them to cope with all these, you know, starts and stops of living in all these different places. Um, keeping the same friendships really, really makes difference. So my grandpa was in the military. And so my dad lived all over and he lived in this place in Italy called Portanone. And he grew up with this little boy for like a couple years when they were like little And when he came out to visit me in Austria, like, gosh, was it like two or three years ago? They, he went to Portanone with my mom, stayed at their house for like, I think it was like two nights. They hadn't seen each other in like 50 something years. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? And like, they Jackson with his friend Hugo because that is so cool and like they took like pictures together and like um he hardly the guy hardly speaks any English but his son speaks really good English so his son was like translating and like my parents just 
were like, that's like the coolest experience. He actually passed away this past year. But my dad was like, how cool is that, that I got to see him after all this time. And like, they had so many shared memories of like their experience living there. It was, yeah. it's just crazy. And just to keep in touch when social media wasn't a thing, like that's even before email was a thing. Yeah. That's and the fact that they like remembered each other and like had this like connection still from their friendship when they were like so little is so cool so you never know I think I think that's awesome that he can stay in touch and it just shows that he like cares and I think he even visited us in Germany um this past year hopefully they're coming back again um yeah it's it's crazy sometimes how you don't really maybe you don't realize how deep a friendship is until you leave and and as it continues to blossom, it's really cool to see that, hey, this really was an impactful relationship and I want to continue it even though we're so far away from each other. Yeah. And I think that goes for us too, like as adults, you know, like there's some teams we leave and we just like still hold on to those friendships and remember all those times. And even with friends from back home too, I think there's people that kind of fade off into the distance when you move and then some that you're like, wow, okay, this is like my true friend. Yeah. So switching gears into a lot of people's favorite topic is mid-season burnout. That was a question someone asked of you. How do you identify when you are feeling that mid-season burnout? Like what are some things that show up for you when you're like, okay, like I'm feeling burnt out. I need a break. Yeah. The biggest one is that I just randomly start crying and it's always in January. Like you had said, it's like a weird month where the highs of the holidays are over and it'll just be like the weirdest thing will happen. Like things that don't even affect me. And I'm just like randomly crying. And, and thankfully I'm usually pretty good at like being like, okay, now I know what this is and I need to address it. Um, but it's like, I'm, I'm snapping at my kids or John about random things. I'm randomly crying. I'm just feeling like the season's never going to end. Um, it's just, yeah, I start to notice these feelings and I always have to address them quickly or it gets, it just goes downhill from there and I'm like miserable to be around. Um, some of the things that I've noticed that really helped. I'm just laughing because it's just funny that yeah. you like, can admit that. Like I am just a miserable person. Oh, I, oh yeah, I feel bad for anyone that's around me when I'm in this January mood. But I always try to start to plan something. Having like something to look forward to really helps. A lot of us in Europe have the February break. So even if I don't know the dates yet, just having something to look forward to and starting to plan that really helps. I also really like starting to think about the off season um, to make it feel closer than it might actually be. So I start to plan like, oh, here's our bucket list. What should we be doing? This off season, I put this year, I plan a cruise for May, just trying to get my mind off of the moment and, and how dark it is here in, in Germany or Sweden was really dark in January, like where it got dark at two o'clock in the afternoon, crazy. It's so hard. That's so hard. Yeah. And that's another big thing is supplementing with vitamin D. I feel like also a good time to go get blood work. Uh, your doctor is in January because Maybe it's because it's so dark outside and you're deficient in vitamin D that that could be affecting your mood as well. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend that when you're feeling that mid-season burnout, like just make sure that it isn't anything that could be medically. I, I've had a history of like thyroid issues, so it's always good to 
just get your blood work checked. Um, my one friend recommended one of those light lamps. And I really think it makes a difference. It's just like it was like 20 bucks on Amazon. Um, and on those days where the sun is just not shining and I'm feeling horrible, just having that extra light daylight seems to really help my mood a lot. How has hockey, if it has, affected your mental health? Oh, it's, well, especially on all these one-year contracts, it is so hard. Um, I started to feel, when we were in Sweden, I started to feel like I was getting depressed. Um, it, it just, things weren't making me happy. I was having kind of like these little panicky attacks. I ended up going on a website in the U.S., uh, hers.com, I think it was, um, and speaking with like a mental health specialist about how I was feeling. She was like, you know, I think you might have seasonal affective disorder. Like you, you seem like you you get really depressed. Unfortunately, it falls always during hockey seasons, but um, winter time. And so you're like, what is this like eight months from like August to like March? Like I'm really. <laughs> um, so I, I just, it was, it's really hard sometimes navigating the medical system when you're in a foreign country. So if you are ever feeling depressed or need to talk to someone, there's so many good online resources, online therapists, um, online doctors that you can speak to in the U.S. And then I just had the team doctor, we, I was prescribed an antidepressant and I had the team, team doctor write it for me in uh, Sweden. Okay. And that, that helped me get through the, the dark winter for two seasons. Now I don't need it anymore, but um, no one should ever feel ashamed of needing an antidepressant maybe to get them through a rough contract or a rough patch in everything that's going on in their lives because it really did help kind of pull me out of a, a dark time. I was postpartum as well, so that probably had a lot to do with it as well. But yeah, it's it's sometimes hard to figure out, well, where am I going to get the medication when I'm in Europe and, and trying to figure that out. But the team doctors usually are pretty good at helping either connect you with someone that can prescribe or just writing a prescription if you are diagnosed and get a prescription from another doctor and just need to continue it. Did you see a difference pretty quickly once you did start taking the antidepressants? Um, it, it took a couple months, like two months, I would say, for everything to kind of kick in and, and figure things out. But it, yeah, it, did, it really helped for sure. But then there was a point where I just felt like maybe, maybe I want to try it, try not being on it. Um, and you have to really ease yourself off because it can cause a lot of issues just getting off of antidepressants. Yeah. There's like brain zaps and you could be just like have some mood swings and things like that. So I tried to do that during an off season to taper myself off. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, we like to normalize the lifestyle that we live because like, we're just used to it and, like, oh, it's just like what what's expected of us or like, that's just what we have to do. But there's a reason people like stability. Mm-hmm. Like you feel in control, you have kind of a routine and hockey is like the complete opposite of that. And it, not to mention sometimes like you might not have friends, you're far away from your family, you're living in a space that's not yours with things that aren't yours. You can't understand the language. Like there's so many things that were like, oh, like that's just what it is. Or like, this is just part of the experience. But like, 
if you are someone that is sensitive or even like have, has struggled with mental health in the past. Like, I feel like for me, I've there, I mean, I definitely have anxiety and I feel like I've struggled with episodes of depression in the, in the past, but it's like, then it's like hockey started happening. And I feel like it kind of like amplified those feelings and I feel them a lot stronger or maybe I'm more quick to react than I would if, if I wasn't doing this as much. And I thank you for like talking about going on antidepressants and just sharing that you did feel Mm -hmm. depressed because I think it's important for people to hear whether or not you're in this lifestyle. Like this is not normal. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't not forever either. Yeah. Sometimes you need it for a few seasons just to get you through. And then, you know, things start to change or, you know, you're just, your outlook starts to change. So don't think that it's like a permanent thing that you're always going to have to be on antidepressants. If, if you start them, it's like a never ending thing because it's, it's not true. And it's something that really can help you in, in a short phase of your life. Was there anything in particular besides the short year contracts that were like triggers for you? Just the lack of sunlight. That was like a huge thing for me. Um, in Sweden, especially, it was just, I've never been, I've never experienced that before. Where you, wouldn't you live see, in California. <laughs> you wouldn't see the sun at all. And I didn't really realize how much I'm like solar powered, you know, like the sun makes me thrive, but just like the bloom where you're planted, I guess the sunshine really does affect me as a plant. Um, and so that, that was also a big trigger and why they ended up calling it more of a seasonal affective disorder than general depression. Um, but that's something that I can't really change here in, in Europe. It's always going to be kind of dark, dark or anywhere in the Northern Hemisphere, it's going to be darker in the winter. Um, but that was a big, a big, big trigger as, as soon as the sun started to go away, I could just feel this like uh, yeah. heavy, heavy feeling. Um, and I didn't realize how not normal it was, like that I didn't have to feel that way until yeah. I actually to the doctor and I said, well, let's try something and see if it helps. Yeah. I feel like you gave me my episode title, Bloom Where You're Planted. I love that. And it's so cute with your last name of how they pronounce it in Europe. I love that so much. Like, is there any other things you would think of, of how to like really put yourself into the culture, the lifestyle? Like what advice would you give to people about how to embrace the season of life that they're in? Um, Just figure out what you need in order to make yourself happy. For me, it was friends. For someone else, it might be they need to pursue a a certain hobby and figuring out, okay, well, I'm really into pottery. Well, how do I figure that out in the city that I'm in? And that is what will make me happy. Um, So figuring out what really is going to help you be happy outside of hockey. Don't just like think like, yes, we follow our spouses around, but we have to be individuals ourselves as well. so figuring, figuring out what would make you happy as an individual, I think that really helps to thrive in the city. Um, yeah, and just making yourself as busy as you want to be. Um, it's so easy to just stay home all the time or like say no when you're invited to go somewhere, but you never know what you're missing. Even if it's like a super fan that invites you to some event or or. I don't know, a concert that you want to go to, but you're like, oh, then, like when it comes around, then you're like, oh, do I really want to go? 
just try it. Try not to reject offers to do something fun because you never know what you're missing out on if you just decline opportunities. Yeah, that's so true. I, and I also, um, something that's really important is is much like you're on a say you're on a one year contract. Don't like cease to make plans. Like continue to make plans as if you're going to be there the next year, even if those things don't end up happening. It really helps with your mental health to like kind of have a little amnesia that you might not be back. Um, and it kind of helps with blocking those feelings of dread, like, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be here for, you know, Easter or next season when this is happening. Just kind of pretending in your mind that this might, I might be there. I think that really helps as well. Yeah. I think even doing that with like, just the stuff that's in your home or like toys. Like, I don't know. I found myself being like, I don't want to order that. Cause I'm not going to take it home. But it's like, you have to remember that we're living in this place for like the majority of the year, like eight or nine months of the year. So like, why not make it like a place that like things that make us happy? I mean, every year I look around, I'm like, oh my God, I hate that piece of furniture that the team gave us. Like, please leave our apartment. But like bringing stuff in, like, or even just like going out to the market and getting like flowers, just like having something I can look at that just like makes me feel good. I found really helps with like me feeling comfortable in a space. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, every time I would cook, we had these horrible kitchen knives. Like literally they were just like you're sawing and sawing and sawing and nothing. And I kept saying to John, like, we need new knives. We need new knives. I cannot stand these knives. He's like, well, we're not going to be back next year. Like, what does it matter? Like, we didn't know if we were going to be back. What, what does it matter? We'll get new knives when we, we re-sign. Well, we didn't re-sign until March. But it, it, it's like, if we keep holding off and, like, saying, oh, I'll get new pillows because my neck is hurting all the time. Like, I'll get new pillows when we re-sign the contract. You're just like delaying things that might make you happy and might make a difference in your life. Uh, so I've been like five years and you're still sleeping on yeah. shitty pillows. You're like, I should have got this five years ago. Five years ago. I should have, you know, bought the juicer that would have made me happy five years ago instead of just continually saying, oh, I'll get it next season if if we sign a two-year contract or what, or I don't, yeah, I, I just... Yeah, I've, I've learned and now I really like our knives and I will take them with us wherever we go yeah. but it's, yeah just when you have this feeling of temporarily living somewhere it's yeah it's easier sometimes just to make yourself happy and deal with figuring out where it's going to go or how you're going to ship it to your next city it's easier just to deal with that than to constantly be thinking about it every time you go to cut something and you're yeah. like these knives <laughs> I don't know about you with John but like I feel like I have to remind Charlie of that too because he's like oh it's fine like I need like a Tempur-Pedic pillow that's like yeah. firm like it has to be like the perfect or I can't sleep and mm-hmm. I remember I went to Ikea because they do have some like pretty good pillows there and there was a pillow I wanted for like 70 euros which is kind of expensive like it's expensive for a pillow yeah. same thing like yeah. we're not going to be here like maybe we'll get something that's like similar but not as much and I'm like we have been here for three years. I do not see this ending anytime soon. Like I want to get this pillow because I'm going to use it. Like it's like, it's an investment and happy wife, happy life. You know what I mean? Like we got to get the knives. We've got to get the pillows. Anything that makes you happy that's within reason, I think is, is good. And 
I always tell Charlie too, like the extra stuff, like if I want to go get a massage, I'm like, that's my childcare fee. That's <laughs> kids aren't in school. That's so it. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> Next year for sure. And I wanted to do it this year. I took him in and there was just so many sick kids. And I was like, I was like a month before I was about to have Skylar. And I was like, literally, there's no way like I'm doing this because I know for my mental health, if I have two sick babies during the, I feel like January and February too, are always away games, like nonstop. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know why the schedule is always like that. Every team we're on, they're gone so much in those months too, which I'm like, could we just rearrange this? So these are like the home games. I'm like, I want to get him out of this apartment. Like Charlie's like, well, can we get a babysitter? Can we get a nanny? But I'm like, but I need him to get out of the apartment. He needs to go somewhere else. Cause like, I can't get anything done ever for sure. And I want to find like what you're saying, like a bilingual Mm -hmm. one, because that's important to me too, especially with him being like a little speech delayed. Like I want other people to be like helping him with his native language. Cause that's like what he needs support with. Yeah, but it gets so much harder when your child enters like primary school. So Jackson was going into first grade next year, and I made the discovery that the school year, at least here in Bavaria, I think it's maybe all of Germany, it starts at the beginning of September and it ends July 30th. Oh, yes. Okay. I want to hear about this. I can't, that's. You can't take your kid out. Like, say, you know, you want to go somewhere for November break. You literally cannot. The police will be at your door. You, we can't, so the season ends in May, we have to stay here. Even if John doesn't have a contract next off season, like in between, till we July. have to stay here till July 30th. It's so it's basically the entire off season. Wait, but you're, but you're leaving. No, we can't leave. Wait, well, I thought you said going home. This year we can't because Jackson hasn't started first grade, but starting in September when he starts first grade for next off season, John will have to go home when like in May and then I'll go home for August we have separate unbelievable yeah but what about the breaks though like how do you take family vacations if you can't pull them out of school arbitrary holidays like I don't know the Germans celebrate like carnival um in February so they get two like two weeks off for that so I have to kind of plan all of our trips around the German national like school breaks. I can't, and hockey is like irrelevant. The schedule is so much more intense for the school system, even just first grade. And thankfully I, I found a school for Jackson, um, an international bilingual school for him for first grade. And they're a little bit more understanding than the like actual public schools. I have a friend that is from New Orleans and her daughter is in the public school and she wanted to fly back to Mardi Gras. It's very important for them culturally. She had to like put in a request months in advance saying this is like a cultural event from back home and they only approved for them to go home for like two days. Otherwise the police would be at their door and you could be fined like thousands of euros. Okay, so like something like this, that would make me like mad. Oh, yeah. I would be like, you get into the comparison of like, well, back home, I, yeah. he was in school. And then it's like, you get yourself worked up. Like, would yeah. does that not make you like furious? I think it, if, if it, I think it could be the reason why we might end playing hockey sooner than we would have wanted to. Yeah. When 
all of our summers are just gone now. Yeah, it's and you crazy. can have that. You need that to refuel. That's, for that's our time. The off season is our time. And now being told, like, no, you're here till July 30th, and you get the month of August as your break when John's going to be back here. It's when do I get to see my family? I'm going to fly home at Christmas time and then not be with John for Christmas because no. that's the only time I have a break. Jackson has a break from school. It's just, yeah, that's infuriating. <laughs> I don't know if it's like that in every country, but it was something that really surprised me when I found that out. Yeah, gosh. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was so fun to talk to you. I feel like you're filled with a lot of good advice and knowledge. And if there is anyone that wants to reach out to you, where can they find you? You can plug your Instagram or anything else that you want to mention. My Instagram is at EB's world, um, E-B-E-E-S world. Um, and I would love to be your friend. If you're on a team and you don't have a big support system, I would love to be there for you. Please reach out. I love making new friends. Um, and it'd be great to meet more hockey girls in, in all different cities around the world. Yay!